right, one more hour here on the Ken Pittman Show, and we'll be followed by Jose Matos and Money Matters. And your calls are most welcome, 508-996-0500. Joe Biden has put the clamp down on domestic exports of natural gas. Um, and it, it, he's been bipolar on this. Um, it depends on where his feet are, whether or not he's supportive of fracking and exploration and, and drilling and getting the natural gas out of the ground. Because when he's in Ukraine and his son's employed by a, a, an energy company, he tells the government, you've got to let them frack. You've got to let them get that energy. When he's in the United States, we got a climate war to fight. And the result of this um, this action by Biden, any country that the United States is not involved uh, with a, a free trade agreement, well, domestic providers of natural gas can't export to any of those countries. That, uh, that doesn't leave a lot of um, the world to sell to. Uh, it, it, you got to realize there's 20 countries, free trade agreements. Half of them are Caribbean islands or, or Central American countries or countries that we really wouldn't be selling natural gas to anyone. No, who's going to buy natural gas in Australia from the United States? I mean, that's halfway around the world. They can buy from India. They can buy from Russia. They can buy from anywhere much closer. So Australia, Bahrain, Canada, who is a main, they, they get their own natural gas. They don't buy from us. Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, uh, Israel, Jordan, Korea, Mexico, Morocco, Nicaragua, Oman, Panama, Peru, Singapore. Uh, and, that's, and that's it. So first of all, Mexico does a lot of their own oil exploration. As a matter of fact, Burisma Energy... Hunter's company, former company, um, they were operating out of Mexico. 508-996-0500, you are on the air. Welcome. Hey, listen, uh, I want to mention uh, uh, Biden's uh, attack on uh, what we call Native Americans. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the, um, the, well, the New York City Museum. But, the, but the Indian museum. tribes are requesting that he do this. Well, the, the the liberal parts of them. That's right. The other exactly. That don't that don't agree with that. Hundred percent agree with you. Yep. There's a cancel culture going on, and unfortunately, whether you are white, black, or whatever, the left controls everything now. And but the majority of India, for example, right, in, in New York City, they they took out they took down all the displays. <clears throat> they have these beautiful uh, boats. And custom and teepees, and they took it all down. Yeah, the uh, museum of uh, natural museum of. I, I know it's in Lincoln Lincoln Center, I think. Somewhere around that area yeah. is the New York City Museum of Natural History. Yeah, and and they were forced to come down. You know, if you go to Puerto Rico, it, uh, Puerto Ricans that uh, come from Trino and Arawak Indians, and uh, if you go to Puerto Rico and you go to the museums. They got beautiful displays of the Indians, the Trinos and the Arawaks, 
Oh, I didn't know that. So I, I was over there and I was absolutely impressed with Puerto Rico and the people there. I, I just remarkable the history and all that. But I wasn't aware of the tribes that um, that occupy that occupied the island at one time, or still yeah, well, do. When the, when the Spaniards got to the Caribbean, it was the Trino Indians and the uh, Arawak. That's our culture. We, we are uh, Indians. Uh, we could consider ourselves what they call now native americans we don't we don't play that game too much you don't see that in the puerto Rican. but you're right you technically you're right though absolutely and my my fear is that you know the 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 liberals in puerto rico will start taking down our heritage too you know what i mean because uh if trump would have ordered this believe me there'll be a hundred thousand people fighting that they're not going to take down the display uh, because it's it's buying, uh, they do it so freely. You know, it's book burning, kind of right. It's it's your 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 deleting history. I mean, what you know, I was um, my band was performing in the Dominican Republic, and we borrowed a local down there to play keyboards. Uh, he was highly recommended, and you know, while I was out for lunch with him on a day we weren't performing, we just had a chat with him because I love talking about history. He was really great with this history. I, so I, I looked at him and I said, how many, is your family originally inhabitants of the island? And he's staring at me and he said, Ken, there are no original inhabitants of the island. The Spaniards killed 100% of the population. Well, yeah, uh, it, it's not at 100% because if, in my family alone, uh, you see like my grandfather, my, my grandfather looked just like the Indian. Uh, you know that picture they profiled on the nickel? Yeah. So the, so the genes are there. You know, they did a DNA on Puerto Ricans, and it was like uh, 60% European, 21% African, and I think it was like 15 to 20% uh, Trino Indian. Uh, so it, so the, the DNA is still there. Well, the, but I'm saying that not, not Puerto Rico, the island of what used to be Hispaniola, right? The uh, Dominican and Haiti? Yeah. Well, they're, they're almost basically the same because they were conquered by the same people, Puerto Rico. Was. Right, and, and you know mm -hmm. the the things that that the Spanish throne did to the Indians just unspeakable. Uh, you know, I, I know they had it bad up here in North America, but nothing like what happened down there in Central. Yeah, yeah. And people don't they don't realize. You know, they're always talking about American slavery, but in Puerto Rico, you had slavery, and it ended eleven years after. The slavery ended in the United States. Oh, and I didn't know that. People, yeah, and people had to pay Spaniards to get freed. Wow. I mean, that story, that story is lost because our parents don't teach us that. Uh, we were slaves for hundreds of years, but our parents didn't teach us that way. For example, if two Spaniards were speaking to each other, right? When a Borinque or Puerto Rican would walk between them. He had to bend down. He couldn't break the contact between the two Spaniards. And one time I did that, and my father said, don't you ever do that again. Uh, if I see you bend down like that, I'm going to slap you. He has you reason, say, yeah. You say, excuse me? If, if you've got no other way of going around, all right? <laughs> but you go around, but don't bend like right. that, because right. that, was, that was mandatory for us at one time. Wow. So our parents took that away from us. 
So you don't you don't hear Puerto Ricans today screaming about slavery and well, I don't think a lot of people and, and there's a there's a, a communist that um, wrote a book called The People's History of the United States, uh, Howard Zinn. And in his book, you know, he's not telling a lie. I mean, because I looked at it, uh, independent sources. So uh, there was a story written by one of the uh, soldiers, one of the Spanish soldiers. And I think it was on what is today the Dominican island. And he sharpened his sword and he tested it on an, uh, on one of the Indians that was walking by, uh, working as a slave. And he drove his sword through the Indian just to see if it was sharp. I mean, it, 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 people don't understand just how brutal this world was not so long ago. Well, that was, you know, that was the times, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but, but we don't, uh, I, I don't go around thinking that that soldier did that 500 years ago, and that's going to affect uh, how we I live today. No, I, I mean, you know I, we mean? like to think we're enlightened and that we know people are all the same, given the same environment and, and opportunities and education and all that. We And it's, it's been proven. But you, when you... Read these stories, you realize, you know, as a species, we're terrible without without a good moral compass, without something to, to guide us. Well, you know, uh, I have an opposite view of that. Okay. Because if you, if you read the story of uh, what, what would they call the Incas and all that, they used to put a person on a table with a knife while still alive, open up the chest, I know. pick out the heart. Yeah. Uh, so we weren't doing uh, good things neither. Well, I, didn't, I, mean? I didn't realize the I didn't realize the Incas were doing that as well. I was aware of the Aztec, you know, their their sun god religion, where they were set making human sacrifices in that. Yeah, with, the majority, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, South African, uh, South uh, America, uh, practiced that all the way through. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that that part of it, when Christianity came to uh, what we call now the United States. Uh, that took that away from this continent. Yep. So, I mean, you know, you, you can blame all cultures of mistreating each other. Everyone. You know what I mean? Yep, you're absolutely so, right. Every There's been slavery, there's been barbarism, there's been atrocities committed by every race. Nobody's hands are clean. You're absolutely right. right. You know, uh, uh, when uh, the Spaniards came here, uh, they didn't conquer South America by themselves. There were like two, three hundred soldiers uh, facing a continent of thousands. They formed allies it was because the, it was the it was the the Indians that were here already that joined the Spaniards to conquer the anchors. Right. You know that story gets lost. And the Portuguese you know I mean? and the French and the British did the same thing in Africa and in India. Yeah. And in the in the in the uh, area of Afghanistan and Pakistan. Yeah, that's why you know you when you erase history is dangerous. Sure is. And when you start erasing this place, uh, th that's dangerous to forget history. Uh, and I'm not for it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm going to give I you the best call of the day. I I I'm glad you shared your thoughts with this because it is important. And I meant to bring that that uh, issue up, and I failed to. So thank you for that. Okay, thank you, Brian. Have a uh, beautiful weekend. Thank you. You too. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. You're next. Good morning. Good morning, Ken. How you doing? Good. How about you? Oh, not bad. Can I talk about local, uh, or yep. you just go national? No, go ahead. All right. I want to talk about uh, the market basket. Uh, according to Barry Richards, he had a write up, uh, and uh, a family member told me they read about it, and uh, there was a proposal to build an, a second market basket over there on Hathaway Road. I caught wind of it. I wasn't sure where they were going to put it, so its location's been identified? Hathaway Road. 
Oh, Hathaway Road. That's kind of close. And, and the major and the mayor rejected it because he said it was in too uh, too close proximity to the one on Cove. Um, I'm sorry, Cogsall. You know, and, and he's probably getting pressure from the union stores, but he's right, and the unions are right in this case. I think. I think. Well, it, let me tell you something. Because yep. the Dollar Tree chain, you got one on Hathaway Road, you got one on Kings Highway, and then you got one on Cushionet Avenue, and they're pretty close to one another. So that argument doesn't fly. Well, but you don't have to go into the dollar store. You have to get groceries. Yeah, right. But he's going to build another uh, anticipating a storage facility being built on that site. I I I do. I do. I understand. I just think he's got a responsibility to make sure um, jobs are not um, harmed when he can. And if it's his decision that those two supermarkets would be uh, too close together and also harm uh, competitors, you know, it... The free market is, it is, you know, it's called the free market, but there are times when government will step in and see more harm than good. Yeah, well, I, I disagree with him on that position, but uh, the storage facilities, they're creeping up everywhere. You have a U-Haul storage on Church Street. You have another one on Rockdale Avenue. We have uh, storage facilities uh, popping up everywhere, Charmant Ave, Nash Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all over the place. Is the May anticipating a lot of evictions and people losing their homes? That is that is the industry, isn't it? People who are, who are, have no place to put their stuff. That is a growing industry. Scary. That, that is scary. I'm that and the dollar the stores. May, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if the May is uh, you know uh, uh, going along with Maura Healy to go up on the taxes. He he uh, indicated he's supporting it. Right. So that would uh, justify him getting all these store f- facilities in here. So many people will lose their homes and people uh, in rental apartments would be out in the street. You know, a market basket, a good place for the market basket would be um, maybe where the Christmas tree shop is in Dartmouth because that's far enough away. And, you know, then your next one after that, Westwood, would be down in the south end of Fall River. Um, but I think I, I do agree it's a little too close to the other one. Yeah, well, I think that could be a you know a loss because how much money are they really making the city off of storage facilities? You <laughs> see these big buildings. I'm serious. I, I know. You see these big buildings, these old, uh, these old uh, uh, mills, and you're like, oh, what the hell's going on in the city? Is everybody going to get kicked out of their homes? Property taxes. You know, you let go of that pr- proposition two and a half, and you're going to see a lot of people unwillingly lose their homes. Uh, that's the sad part about it. You know, Ken, in uh, 1980, uh, we had a protest outside of City Hall uh, to, 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 for uh, two and a half not to go up on the taxes. And, and if we stand together, Ken, uh, we can put an end to this. But, you know, if people uh, ignore it and just, you know, it's not going to affect me, uh, it's going to come at their door. And, and it's very troubling. People have to look at their home ownership correctly. You own the structure and as long as you pay your taxes you can continue to rent that property from the government when the government designs a a budget that increases to the point where your taxes go up so high you can't pay for it you're out whether you like it or not so do you really own it absolutely at the end of the day no it's like uh, klaus schwab said at the world economic uh, forum you'll own nothing and you'll be happy and that's the, the way things are going (laughs) <laughs> yeah, those sounds like those sound like dangerous words from a cult, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. Hey, Ken, it was good talking to you, Ken. Same, same. Thank you for the for the call and for pointing that out. Um, yeah, the market basket. Um, 
looking for a second location in New Bedford. I didn't realize it was going to be put there. I was thinking maybe the South End or something. But Yeah. You know where the old Builder 19 was, Ken? That's where... Yeah. That's where it was... That's supposed, what I figured. That's where it was going to go. Okay. Yeah, so they, that's that's in what? Like... Three miles? Three, from, from the other market Like basket? a five, ten minute ride? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Is there is there a rail station going there? No store uh, storage facility. Is there a station going on Kings Highway? I don't know. I don't know where. No, near the, near the Burger King. There's no? a station coming down here though. Where are the stations in New Bedford going to be? I'll tell you after the break, Ken. Cliffhanger. We'll be back. Half an hour left, a little bit more than that, before we wrap it up for the week here on the Ken Pittman Show. And um, I did fill in for Tim Weisberg uh, on Monday, and I was able to talk about it, but not to, to my own audience. I um, I went to the funeral of uh, Judge Jack Markey, f- was former uh, New Bedford mayor. I, I forget how many terms. I mean, he was wildly popular at one point. And, uh, you know, we became friends long after he was retired and I'd go to his home and, and have coffee with him and just, just talk about family and whatever. And just grew to understand what a virtuous man he was. A great, great respect. I love the guy and uh, sorry to see him go. Uh, it seemed the one who might've wanted him to go the most was Jack. He, he you know, he used to kid about it. Like, like it was nothing, you know, um, big t- tremendous sense of humor. And I think a lot of you know that anyway, uh, just based on the, the pictures that he staged uh, as mayor. I mean, just one for, ones for the ages. Just unbelievably funny stuff. Um, the one that I like is when he showed up to be the mayor the first day. He told me he was the last guy to expect that he'd win. And he actually beat George Rogers. And when he walked into the mayor's office in the first day, the mayor's desk was gone. And um, I think it was established that that was city property. So the last 
uh, administration. We don't have to name names. It rhymes with smarters. Um, took the desk. And so the way he let the public know was he, uh, he had the photographers come in from the newspapers and he had a giant cable spool that he was working on. You know, he had his, there was his pencils, his papers, and you know, wow. <laughs> like his kids' pictures were on it. You know, there's <laughs> a real good sense of humor. And then there was another one where, you know, he's battling back and forth with the union over wages and contracts, things like that. And um, he's standing there in the newspaper picture. He's in his boxer shorts handing the president of the union his pants because they're asking too much. I mean, he was a funny guy, and his story had a million stories. He could remember, God, he could remember stories back in the 40s and 50s with great detail. You know, his time at Howard University, his time uh, when when he and a, um, other city workers, he was quick to credit other people in the city for accomplishing things. And he was a very humble guy, and he just liked so much about him, the more you know him. And like I said, I'm sorry to see him go. Uh, it is it is a loss, and... Um, well, that's that. I, I didn't want to not tip my hat to the late uh, Jack Markey. I was a fan. <clears throat> Ryan, you, before the commercial break, were going to tell me where the, the plant stations are. Because I, I know, I think maybe where two of them are at the, at the there's moment. There's one on Route 8. There's one uh, where uh, the Seed Track uh, Ferry is. Yeah, yeah, that's, that one I know. That's one of the stations. Mm-hmm. They, think, they painted that about 25 years ago just to be sure I think they were ready. I think there's, there was, there's one on Church Street. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, right near King's Highway, right? Up further, Ken. Tarkland Hill? Maybe up further? Yeah, but it's, I mean, that's pretty close. So that property value is going to go up, right, <laughs> for, for um, yeah, ob- the, obvious reasons. So The, the property value is going to go up on the one that's in SeaTrack uh, Ferry, too, Ken. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty much... It's all commercial, but... That's already pretty much prime property anyway, but you're right. Um, I'm sure there'll be increases. And then I think the plan is, if you live, uh, if you have a store or a business within a certain radius of a station, there's going to be an extra tax. So they feel like you're going to benefit from it, so wow. you're, you're going to pony up. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. Um, What's the two that you were thinking of, Ken? So... I thought there was one that was going um, near the, the elevated one near. Um, I'm trying to think the name of the street. Uh, Purchase and uh, north of Cogsall. I thought there was something going there, but they were just working on the tracks, I guess. And then, and then, uh, you could you could see the. Pedestrian walkway getting built on Route 18, Ken. Mm. Maybe they should have left that one up. They got the they got the forms coming going up right now. Yeah. No, because the pedestrian walkway was further. Too far, yeah, it was, too was far. like further yeah. south of that. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, not practical. Um, and that's going to be tough parking from now on, unless they get a multi-level garage there, because now you have the summer crowd. The ferry and now the train. That's yeah. That's they're gonna be a. You know what? You know if we're smart, we'll be we'll be scalpers for parking tickets for parking spaces. No, you got (laughs) you got a garage in walking distance of that. A lot of people people are gonna want that garage. It's right there. Yeah, it's. You know, then maybe they'll have to do it. Maybe they'll have to build a multi-level. I mean, it it it's kind of. I wonder if that's been 
spoken about publicly on on uh, the station. I, I've been keeping an eye out for what the plan is for that because I just think it's going to be overwhelmed. Yeah, I, sometimes I have, it's, sometimes it's overwhelmed without the train. I haven't I haven't seen I haven't seen any uh, I haven't seen any uh, proposals for a parking garage on that uh, where the ferry parking lot is. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they'll they'll be busy. Um, by the way, I was able to speak to a couple of uh, city councils, in particular Ian Abreu, who is opposed to this municipal excise tax being enacted on the, the Bedford residents. Um, I think this may be a, a big problem for Mayor Mitchell. He hasn't had a lot. This may be um, some something that gives opposition traction here because he's had a a fairly uh, smooth operation without a lot of holes in his story. Uh, for the most part, and this may be a problem for him. Um, he, he already impulsively, publicly, yeah, remember supporters. Remember, yeah, uh, his his next his next time he's up is in four years, Ken. Yeah. So, can you imagine the traffic horror downtown when you get the train, you get the ferry, and a Glenn Noon show all together? Madness. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. You're listening to the Ken Pittman Show. And uh, oh, so we were talking earlier about um, the UN. UN is actually giving debit cards to uh, everybody in the caravans, anybody trying to get across the border. Uh, there's 240 non-governmental agencies, NGOs, that are handing these cards out, fi- financed by the UN. In other words, the American taxpayers and other people around the world. But we we pay a very hefty fraction of that bill, and. The U.N. is telling the United States, right, with, with that funding, you're going to take as many as can make it and you're going to like it. I don't know. I, where's the leadership? Where is the American here? Thanks for calling. Hi, Ken. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Tom. Well, I just wanted to comment on the, uh, the revenue uh, ability of the mayor to raise money. He has come out and said he has no plan. But we, what you have to look at is uh, the situation that happens on the state level. I'm in favor of current representatives uh, filing legislation to freeze the local aid formula that we currently have. Because they already know uh, if the mayor had ability to raise a certain amount. They have a definitive amount. I think it's $8 million uh, that the mayor could raise from the city of New Bedford if he had to. What they're not telling us is what's going to happen in May and June, and everybody ought to pay attention to this. It, it, it's the local aid formula that's going to happen uh, next time around, and dollars to donors, they're going to reduce it by $8 million. And that's going to be the mayor's out. He's going to say, look, you know, they just cut us $8 million. You know, we have to have uh, police, fire, et cetera. And he'll begin the process on his ability to... To, to raise that money, he would have to. And people will be stuck saying, well, we got to have police. we, we got to have fire. Uh, the state just cut us $8 million in local aid. And this isn't the first rodeo with this. We, we, we experienced this with Governor Dukakis because they have to balance the budget. And we experienced it with Governor Mitt Romney. And what they did is they cut local aid. Yeah, and in, in, in the case of um, all three... You know, by doing this, you know, you can you can see the plans for higher office, whether it be Senate or president in 24. I think Maura Haley tipped her hand here because she wants to be able to say, 
She cut taxes. It wasn't her that raised the taxes. And she, you can shake your fist at the local people because she is she is cutting taxes. And I don't even think conservatives would have batted an eye if she didn't cut taxes in a year where she's got a billion less in revenue. Yeah, I mean, the idea, though, with her, I, I think she's going to be a one-term governor. Yeah. I think uh, she's lost the, the handle on this one. Uh, I don't think, you know, the public is more astute this time around. I, I don't think she's poised for, for re-election at all. And uh, just too many, too many mistakes. Uh, and certainly uh, the spending and uh, we're, we're down. Think of it, a billion dollars on the state right. level. And last year they were sending out checks because they overtaxed. You know, that that's another arena that, 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 that she's trying to avoid again. And she uh, was one thing she did. I, I, you know, this, the Republicans were somehow able to block this um, sanctuary state funding, you know, they didn't. The Democrats didn't want a cap on how much they were going to spend on these shelters. I mean, not willing to put a cap on it, and that's that's quite a thing. It's unbelievable. And uh, anyway, uh, with that, I, I think that's the thing we've got to look for in the future. And go Kansas City. You like Kansas City? I do too. You know, uh, you got any thoughts on on Jack Markey? Oh my goodness, he, he was wonderful to me. I can tell you that. Uh, I was a rookie off the street. Uh, I had my own positionings, which some people thought were a little bit on the conservative side. I went after the bonding that the city was doing at the time and, and, uh, uh, started talking about that a bit, but you know, you, you, for a new city councilor, people have to understand you go in there, you really don't know anything. Okay. And you have to learn it, but they give you enough time to learn it. Uh, six months later, you, you should at least have the process down and who's in charge. And under our charter at the time, uh, the mayor was in charge. Everything would run through the mayor. But uh, the best one was uh, uh, when we got rid of a former shellfish warden. And uh, he called me. I said, so who you got? And come on in the office and uh, bring him with you. I'm like, and I, <laughs> I don't understand that part. So I'm running around and uh, I had a friend uh, named Brad Burke. And uh, he was inclined biologically and all that didn't have any uh, like marine uh, degree or anything like that but uh, i figured well he, he could adjust just like i did and you know at the time the cove was closed okay all the outfalls hadn't been addressed and yet in about a year and a half time we opened that thing there was an imaginary line down the cove that separated new bedford from dartmouth but when we walked in his office he undid his drawer uh top drawer he pulled out a badge. He goes, here. And you got this amount in your budget. There was no budget for a boat or anything else. It was You're talking about Clark's right. Cove? Yeah. Where the right. epicenter of the earthquake was right there in the middle? Yeah. Okay. Well, there was an imaginary line that separated New Bedford from Dartmouth. Yeah, like any, prior any, to, yeah. Prior to that, the, the, uh, the previous warden was letting power dredges come in and, and take 20,000 bushels a day out of there. We were going nuts. But, uh, Anyway, with, with and, and I'm not claiming the work on that because I'll, I'll hand it all over to Brad Burke. For 26 or 28 years, he was unbelievable. He was doing law enforcement, not only in the Cove, but all up and down the Krishna River. And he was doing it initially without a boat. Okay? It's, a, it's a basically the, the responsibilities of what is today's environmental police, right? Yeah. 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 And, and we, we worked heavily with the Department of Marine Fisheries. Uh, with the sanctioning of the mayor, uh, to go after it, do what you got to do. And we finally, it ended up being a $3 million industry. 
and the outfalls were all still there. Now, you contrast that with the most recent situation when they put the windmill in the cove, and the second-in-command from the Port Authority said, they'll never open that cove again. And I just looked at him, and, and it brought me back to all the work uh, that Brad Burke did on this. And he was never given the proper accolades for that. So if he's listening, tip your hat to him, but also tip your hat to Jack Markey for allowing uh, uh, that industry to begin. I mean, I think there were 268 family permits that were issued. Uh, there was a couple of commercial permits, a bunch of hand tonga permits, and uh, the, the, the category of, of multiplier effect uh, what was done in that code. That's an asset. People have to understand there's probably $10 million worth of shellfish in Clark's Cove today or more. I think there'll be a good job for Ryan here because, you know, being the shellfish warden, I, I doubt he lets one escape. Yeah, <laughs> and and they're just going to push it off like it's nothing. See, in the Cove, the jurisdiction goes to the Pop Marine Fisheries. In the Acushna River, it goes to the EPA. Different rules and regulations governing that. And uh, so, uh, anyway, that was one, one instance with the mayor that... Uh, I, I kind of laughed about it after on how that was done. But uh, he, he gave, you know, me the political uh, tip on things that uh, he knew I was right on. And when I was wrong, he chastised me. But at the end, he'd tell you where you went wrong and how. Uh, and he'd teach you about where you went wrong. He was good like that. No kidding. You know, oh, he, oh man. So I, I walked in there sometimes. He was flipping rolls at me. And I'd go, <laughs> uh-oh, what do I do? You know? <laughs> really? And, and I'd sit down, and he would read me a new one. And at the end, he would tell me why and where I went wrong. And uh, uh, he was an educator on top of everything else because he knew, you know, when you first get in there, you don't know everything about government. Uh, oh, and by the way, the uh, uh, the Wales Two Park Law originally had a plan for 1,200 spaces in a uh, high-rise uh, parking garage. That's going to be, what, five five floors then? Yep. That's, what, so, that's where it was. You know, just so you know, I, I don't know if you heard the first hour, but I, I got an inside scoop. Uh, somebody that knows for a fact uh, that Mariano's going, not going to let this municip local municipal uh, action take place. He's, he's going to kill it before it ever reaches the floor. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. yeah so mean, We've got to figure out a way to generate revenue stream in support of the city on something that nobody's ever thought of before there. Everybody goes, yeah, well, that should be all right, kind of thing. But the, the amount of, of, of money, it, it, it's huge. We, we rely so heavily on the state. I mean, look at the, the school department. If, if, if it's like $300 million or whatever it is, state pays 80% of that. We have you know, a lot of NGOs and in prime property that was not that wasn't necessary for them to take prime property space. I think you know the retail taxation is is missing. I, I, you know you can't tax schools, things like that. I, I think you know while there's a great and positive element and a good reason to have them, you still have to worry about your revenues. Yep, revenues is important. You got to have dough. Yeah, and I, I don't know where you know depending on positions where, where you can slash big dollars like that from the city budget. Uh, there may be a couple of agencies that you can do without, but. But it's uh, it's not going to cover what's going to be needed. So, no, you're right. We, uh, you're going to need great representation in Boston too, so they they understand. That's why I think they should freeze local aid. At least, yeah, yeah you'll suffer a little bit due to inflationary stuff, but at least you'll have a, a measure of what's coming down, and, and you can work at 
that particular number uh, on uh, moving forward. And if that happened, that would force the state to cut what they're going to cut from cities and towns from the state budget rather than the local communities. I don't think Healy's going to be able to escape here without raising taxes. I mean, she's trying to do it in a way where she can't be blamed for it. But I think she's going to have to directly go back and take a look at this because I don't know where the money's going to come from either. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, you'll see a lot of shuffling around and all that stuff that usually happens. Yeah, that's true. Camouflage it all. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Jack Markey was a great man. He's a, he was a great human being. He was a great mayor. And and just an all around great guy. Yeah, know, and, I completely and, agree. And the history of New Bedford, at least top two, could be number one. Yeah, and there's been some good ones. There's been some good. Ones. Oh, yeah. uh, before you go, you didn't say who Kansas City's playing in the bowl. Well, you, you, you figure uh, 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 Baltimore uh, may squeak one out here. Baltimore has, in my opinion, has a better team uh, than Kansas City right now due to I agree. injuries, stuff yeah. like that. But Kansas City's got Mahomes, and I, I've seen him do things that you go, that's, that can't be done, you know? <laughs> but he doesn't. So uh, I, I, that's why I'm picking Kansas, Kansas City. The yeah, I feel like that, too. I mean, I, I think, like I said earlier, if, if they played six times in Baltimore, I mean, if they played ten times in Baltimore, I think Baltimore wins six of those. But if you got one game and it's Mahomes, I'm going with Mahomes. Yeah, got that. And then on the other side with Detroit and, and San Francisco, uh, i got to give the nod to San Francisco. I yeah. think San Francisco has a better team. But, it, it, again, it, 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 there's a flavor here with Detroit where they can run the ball. And San Francisco ain't that good at stopping the run. So they have a little bit of a weakness. If Purdy has an average or above average game, then San Francisco wins. Detroit doesn't, then they're, too, they're too young and stupid to, to be scared. They're going to, I think it's much different than Baltimore. I think the pressure is going to be on Baltimore that they're in this huge game with, with their veteran quarterback who's never made it. And, you know, he's playing across the field from a team that's been there six years in a row now. But San yeah. Fran has got playoff experience. But I think Detroit yeah. isn't afraid of anybody. Yeah, Detroit's an interesting team. I, I think what are they, twelve and five or something like that, whatever they are. But uh, man, they when they're on, they, I mean, you, you can't stop them. Gotham, thirteen and five. They, thirteen they, and five, they, right? They just no, man. Yeah, thirteen and five going in, Ken. Yeah. If you count the playoff. Yeah. But they were twelve yeah. and five in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. So the the, the idea there is, uh, you, you want to see Detroit win, but you go, yeah, but they're playing against San Francisco and. And uh, injuries, I got a matter there, so it, 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 it depends, you know. Things can happen. We've seen so many things happen in the playoff and referees' calls that, you know, can change the whole complexity of the game. If Kansas City loses, I'm going to tell you, it's going to, and I, if it's a tight game, I don't have any doubt Kansas City's going to win because it's just too much to ask for a team that has never been in that position. But yeah. if they lose, if Kansas City loses, I think it's going to be because they didn't get a, a legitimate number one wide receiver at the trade deadline. Yeah. Hey, did they they extend that uh, the contract for that uh, tight end they got that's in love with uh, Kelsey? Swift? Yeah. Did they extend his contract yet? I don't know. I, I, I he, he wasn't getting paid as much as he should, in my opinion. And that that came out about mid season. I was just wondering if they happened to extend his contract. I mean, he's I always he's him. always one one or one of the best two in the league every year, no matter who's in. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. But. uh yeah, so it should be exciting anyway. Enjoy the and games, Tom. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on, on Mr. Markey and what the uh, solution should be for this municipal thing. All right, I appreciate it. All right, um, 
Yeah, so he's thinking like we are, kind of, right? Although you like Baltimore, Ryan. No, no, I never said it. I said Kansas City, Ken. You did? Yeah. I, go I'm going. I'm going. I'm going different from you on the San Fran game. You though. like Denver? I mean, uh, Detroit. Wow! If you say Denver one more time, I'm I don't know. It's a D word. So I, I'm just not used to Detroit being in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, you like Detroit? Yeah. Against the spread or against the win? Uh, for the win. For the money line, Ken. Not the not the spread. For the outright win. Yeah. Interesting. What are they seven and a half? I just saw it. Uh, it's at seven right now. Went up to seven and a half um, on some lines with the announcement that Debo was going to be in uniform. And the wide and the wide receiver that's out for Detroit for tomorrow is Raymond. Ken. Raymond Saint. No. Oh, just, Raymond. Well, yeah. he's probably third on the depth chart. But he's still a good wide receiver. Um. Yeah. You get Reynolds. You get Jameson, you get uh, St. Uh, Brown. Yep, I, I think that's plenty. Plus, the tight end is having a terrific year, Laporta. I mean, they, they're loaded. And and they just signed... Uh, and they get two great running backs. They have another tight end now. They just, si- they just signed uh, Ertz, Zach Ertz. For the playoffs? Yep. I didn't know that. He was serviceable for sure. He was I'm, he was real good 10 years ago. Ken, would it, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be a funny story... Detroit, Detroit makes it to the Super Bowl, right? And they sign Barry Sanders for a one-day contract. No. Oh, my God. That put would him, be, put, you know put him on the sideline. That's actually a great idea. Give him, give him a Super Bowl <laughs> ring. <laughs> well, with, their, with Detroit's luck, though, you know, they'll, they'll cut the uh, third-string guard, and that's, that's um, what they'll be down to when, uh, when it's only Barry Sanders standing there. Um, I don't know. I... I Give him a Bowl ring. I don't think he'll be. He's he's really such a. He's always been a no nonsense guy. I doubt he'd take part in that. I think he. I think he would mm. just because he was on the la, He was on the last Detroit team that he, went. If you give me five years of somebody's best window, I mean, I, was, I don't remember Jim Brown. I, I was a baby, or he did it before I was born. Um, one of those, but Barry Sanders for five years, either either him. Or Ladanian Tomlinson in a five-year window. That was the greatest I've ever seen. And Barry Sanders, I think, is better than Ladanian Tomlinson. Here's my two in a five, five-year five window, Ken. Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith had the greatest offensive line. And, and he's good. And he would have he would have been a definite Hall of Famer, I think, with or without the Cowboys line. But that, you know, come on. Those guys, there's never been a better offensive line. I, I, don't, I don't think there's ever been a better one assembled. So um, you got to... That's a team right there that that accomplished that. It wasn't, just, and he's the first one to say that. Uh, I thought Emmett Smith was terrific. I, I certainly enjoyed what, taking everybody's money in the fantasy football drafts when I was able to get him. Don't get me wrong, but I think Barry Sanders I would put in the backfield with the same offensive line, and I think we'd get more results. Just saying, um, he's not insulting him. You know, I don't think you're as good as Barry Sanders. How can that be an insult to anybody? But all right. Um, Let's take a commercial break, and then we'll wrap it up. You're listening to Ken Pittman. Ryan Dixon's in the house. And we'll take your calls, 508-996-0500. If you want to help us close the show, you're more than welcome. All right. Uh, you know, I really should have gotten into the steward um, hospital group there. Mass lawmakers have met with them, and uh, there's so many financial issues. They're not paying their bills, basically. And... Um, Romney Care at work, uh, Affordable Health Care at work, Obamacare, 
uh, this is a big mess. And I, some of you remember I, I was talking about my, my son, Paul. I had to bring him in. He had a, a red line climbing up his vein in his, in his forearm. A cat scratched him. And he didn't understand what that meant. I did. I, I told him to meet me up there. We were there at 7 at night and left at 4 in the morning. We left at 4 in the morning uh, without being seen. And there was a poor woman across from me, a 78-year-old uh, woman who was there since 1 o'clock in the afternoon and had not been seen at 4 in the morning the next day when I left. Wow. Yeah. So Stewart is in huge trouble. Um, they're probably going to receivership, but it's a hot mess. And that affects St. Anne's, uh, the Norwood Hospitals, uh, Good Samaritan in Brockton, and others. And uh, Mount Sinai in Stoughton, there's a few here. $50 million in unpaid rent, and then they're not paying their vendors. They're not paying their bills. So this will, we'll do a deep dive on this. It deserves one. I'll, um, we'll be back next week, um, eve of the Super Bowl. We'll see who's right. What are your scores? I'm going to say Kansas City, 27. Baltimore, 26. And I'll say San Francisco, 33. Detroit, 24. I think uh, Kansas City, 27-24. And Detroit, 30-27, Ken. Tight game. I hope you're right. I want it to be entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Ryan's giving Ryan's give the no way with your crazy look. So I'm, I'm going to say goodbye and, and hear some grief from him. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Jose.
The Ken Pittman Show, 1420 WBSM, New Bedford. WBSM and W258DR New Bedford. New Bedford's news talk station, 1420 AM and 99.5 FM. WBSM, a town square media station.